Whether it's true or not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it's a story about an Israeli soldier who was cleaning up the mess hall one day. And he had instructions to return untouched food to the kitchen and discard anything that was partially eaten. Against orders, he placed a one-half-chewed slice of bread back in the refrigerator. And he was immediately reprimanded. A sergeant repeated his order to discard the partially eaten food. But the soldier refused. Finally, the sergeant threatened, I am going to repeat my command just one more time. If you continue to disobey it, I will have you court-martialed. The soldier held up two misshapen hands. Do you see these ten fingers, he said? They were all broken in Buchenwald. When the Nazi guard caught me stealing a moldy piece of black bread in the kitchen, I tried to steal that miserable crust of bread because I was crazed with hunger. I was ready to kill for a piece of bread. To me, bread is holy. Please, don't ask me to throw it out. Ashen-faced, the sergeant turned away from the soldier. His order was not repeated. I share that story because it illustrates the concept of holiness, which is the root of Kedashim. Kedashim means be holy. It's holiness. But Kadosh means more than just holy. It means set apart or consecrated. It serves a particular purpose. Not that the item or the person is particularly holy in and of themselves, but that the purpose of them being consecrated is what becomes important and makes them holy. Parashat Kedashim has actually been called the most morally compelling portion in the Torah. Beginning at verse 2 of Leviticus 19, Mouse read this morning, Kedashim ti you ki kadosh ani Adonai Elohechem. You shall be holy, for I, Adonai, your God, am holy. Then the following verses are often referred to as the holiness code. So it tells us how to be holy unto God. It describes in very detailed manner what it means to be like God. It begins with, as Steve mentioned, Shabbat. And it also talks about renouncing idolatry. But it's not just about religion or ritual. We must also respect our parents. We are also supposed to provide for the needy. And we're supposed to be honest in our dealings with one another. Our whole society must be just. And the rights of everyone must be protected. In other words, how we live our private lives and how our society functions bears witness to the existence of God in the world. 
Now, we're in the midst of counting the Omer. Matter of fact, today is 21 days, which is three weeks. Historically, this was a time of transitioning. We transition from the redemption at Pesach, being redeemed from Egypt, until the arrival at Mount Sinai at Shavuot. As we count the Omer today, when we count the days between Pesach and Shavuot, we are reminded of those moments. And remember, we talked about it at Pesach. We're supposed to approach it as if we ourselves were redeemed from Egypt. So we're remembering a time where the Israelites were moving toward Mount Sinai. So this would imply that before we can receive the Torah out on Shavuot, we need to have also already been redeemed by God. We finished Pesach, the holiday of redemption. So, let's ask ourselves, do we feel redeemed at this moment? Was Pesach just one more day in the year? Or has the quality and value of redemption of that holiday remained with us today? Now, sometimes it can be difficult to feel redeemed when the holiday is done and we resume our regular lives. Our lives have returned to normal, whatever normal may be. The matzah is now behind us and forgotten until next year. Bread is back on our tables, gluten-free for some along with cookies and cakes and cereal, our regular diet. The leaven is back into our diets. But the leaven shouldn't be back into our hearts. Traditionally, the Omer period is also a time of mourning. During these days, the physical characteristics of a mourner are practiced. The hair is allowed to grow long, no partying, no buying of new clothes. Mourning can take on the feeling of no longer being redeemed. Because mourning tends to bring a lack of hope. For many, there's a mourning over no longer having the Beit Hamikdash, the Holy Temple. Therefore, because of that, the holidays have seemed to have lost their power to transform us. In Jewish history, there's still a yearning for the Messianic age. Even though they don't feel they've been redeemed yet, there's still a longing for that redemption. Despite everything that's happened in their history... This yearning has never been extinguished. The song, Anima Amin, says, I believe in complete faith in the coming of the Messiah. I will wait every day for him to come. Today, many of God's people, even some that we may know personally, might feel that they're very distant from the Messiah 
and as a result, can't even imagine his arrival. Isaiah chapter 11, the first nine verses says, Then a shoot will come forth out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch will bear fruit out of his roots. The Ruach of Adonai will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and insight, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of Adonai. His delight will be in the fear of Adonai. He will not judge by what his eyes see, nor decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the poor of the land. He will strike the land with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt around his loins, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young ones lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play by a cobra's hole, and a weaned child will put his hand into a viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of Adonai as the waters cover the earth, cover the sea. Now, for centuries, rabbinic commentators have all understood this prophecy to refer to the arrival of a messianic king. One that will return and redeem his people in our own days. No matter what, people need hope to keep looking for the Messiah. The Torah teaches us that we need to never lose hope in searching for redemption. But the Torah also understands that many people will have seen Pesach come and go without being redeemed as a result can feel completely with a, with a complete sense of loss. Pesach is the only holiday where we get a second chance. A second Pesach, known as Pesach Sheni, was established. In Numbers chapter 9, we read, Adonai spoke to Moses in the Sinai desert in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, B'nai Israel is to observe Passover at its appointed time. You are to celebrate it at its appointed time, at twilight on the 14th day of this month, with all its rules and regulations. So Moses told B'nai Israel to observe Passover. They celebrated Passover at twilight on the 14th day of the first month in the Sinai wilderness. In accordance with all that Adonai commanded Moses, so B'nai Israel did. That sounds pretty definite to me. It's a definite date. But notice what verses 6 and 7 say. However, there were some men who could not celebrate Passover because of being defiled by a dead body. So they came to Moses and Aaron on that same day. And these men said to him, We have become unclean because of a dead man's body. Why should we be kept from presenting the offering of Adonai at the appointed time with the rest of Bnei Israel? Moses answered them, Wait, and I will inquire what Adonai commands concerning you. So, Continuing with verse 8, Adonai spoke to Moses and said, Say to Bnei Israel, saying, If any man 
whether you or your descendants becomes tame, unclean, because of a dead body, or is bedetic rechoka, on a away on a long journey, he may yet observe Adonai's Passover. They are to celebrate it at twilight on the 14th day of the second month. With matzot and bitter herbs, they are to eat it. You're not to leave any of it till morning or break any bones. When they celebrate Passover, they are to observe all its regulations. But the person who is clean and not away on a journey, yet neglects to celebrate Passover, that soul shall be cut off from his people because that person did not present Adonai's offering at the appointed time. That man will bear his sin. If an outsider living among you would celebrate Passover to Adonai according to the requirement, he should do so. And there will be for you the same regulation for the outsider and the native of the land. So for those who are tamay, unclean, and those who are bederech rechoka, far away, the first time, the 14th of Nisan, they have a second chance to keep the feast, the 14th of Iyar. Now, here's what becomes interesting about that thought. The Talmud teaches that far away does not mean necessarily physically far away. It also can mean one step out of the temple. In other words, it means that your frame of mind was off and you did not allow yourself to be redeemed. So we could say that Pesach is the only holiday where we get a do-over for missing the importance of that day. So here we are in the Omer period, a period where the rabbis have recognized to be a period of mourning. And for those who have not received the knowledge and salvation of Yeshua, there is a reminder that even though the Messiah has not arrived, they shouldn't give up because he just might be just around the corner. So that's left some people wondering, then what can I do in the meantime? Because Passover's gone. It's been observed. And there's still no Messiah. So as they wait for the Messiah to come and redeem their lives, they wonder if there's anything they can personally do about it. Fortunately for us, who've already accepted and received his redemption, we don't need to be concerned with that question. But it is our responsibility to share the good news that redemption and salvation comes from receiving Yeshua as your personal Savior. That's our obligation. That's our duty. That's our call. They don't need to wait for a Messiah who comes and redeems our entire world because we know he already has come and he will be coming again. And we already know that he's already brought redemption and he died to give us the salvation that they're still searching for. So in the meantime, we all need to remember a couple of basic things. First, we should always judge everyone fairly, honestly, and equally. The same way we'd want to be judged. 
Secondly, always have faith in Yeshua and always follow his ways. That can be summed up with one verse from this week's Torah portion. When the Lord said in verse 18, Ve'ahavta ve'reaka kamocha. Of course, Yeshua repeated that, and Matthew recorded it in Matthew 19, 19 and Mark recorded it in 12, Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. Simple. Rabbi Akiva actually said that this verse is the most important verse in the Torah. Hillel was actually recorded as converting a person on one foot by teaching this one verse. There's a well-known Hasidic parable. You may have heard it. You may not have heard it. There were two men who were great friends. One of them was falsely accused, and he was brought before the king. The accused person protested that he was innocent. Meanwhile, his friend did everything to try to have his, man, his friend released. Nothing worked. The king ordered the accused man to be executed. As he was being led to the gallows, his friend was desperate to save him, so he shouted out, This man is innocent. I know this because it's I who am guilty. But when his friend saw him doing this, he said, No! This man is innocent. It is I who is guilty. Well, the guards decided to take them back to the king. The king investigated, and when he understood what was going on, he shouted out, Please, allow me to become a third partner in your friendship. The parable says this is what it means. the verse means. If you love your neighbor like yourself, then I will be God and join within your friendships and redeem you. What a picture. Two friends. Now, the parable, it doesn't say whether they were, either one was actually guilty, but because they both proclaimed guilt in order to save their friend, the king was moved. And the king said, this is the kind of friends I need. To quote one rabbi, the potential to make our days sacred and meaningful is in our hands. There's a lot we can do. It's important to understand something. Kedashim does not command us to be God, but to be like God. We're supposed to act in godly ways, and in doing that, we fulfill the promise of God's creation. The Holiness Code, Leviticus chapter 19. He tells us how to act, how to treat one another. That's what we should be doing. Kedeshim to you, ki kadosh ani Adonai Elohechem. You shall be holy, for I, Adonai, your God, am holy. It's not about how often we pray. Even though praying can actually cause us to draw closer to the message of this week's Torah portion. Incidentally, in the cycle of Jewish prayer, that would be three times a day. So prayer is good. 
You shall be holy, for I, Adonai, your God, am holy, simply means that there is a purpose for you being born and that your life has significance and value because he's declared it. So, in closing, let's learn to be like God and love our neighbor, not only as ourselves, but like God loves all of us. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we do thank you and we bless you because you give us your instructions. You tell us how you want us to live. You tell us how you want us to treat one another. I pray that you would cause us to search your word more so that we can become more well-informed as we walk in your ways, as we do your will, as we reach out and touch lives of, the lives of people who don't know you yet. Or maybe it's such the lives of those that have fallen away for whatever reason. Maybe they were hurt by somebody. Maybe they just became lackadaisical and didn't study like they should have. I pray that you put those people in our paths so that we can speak to them. Not condemning them, but loving on them. Showing them your love and your desire that they would turn from their wicked ways And come to you, come to your word, come to your instructions, and be like you. Doing your will, just as we pray that we are doing. I pray that you strengthen us, that we will become more like you each and every day. So that we can be effective witnesses, that we can be effective workmen in your kingdom. That as ambassadors of your good news, we would not be ashamed. But we'd speak boldly your words of truth. That we would speak boldly what you have given us. Let us always remember our own testimonies of how we came to faith, Lord, and share that with them. Open up their hearts and their minds to receive you as we speak to them. Let our words be your words because we know our words don't carry the same power that yours do. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your loving kindness that you've shown to us. On this day, as we celebrate the independence of Israel, your land, your people, We pray that their eyes and ears will be opened, that their minds will be opened, that their hearts will be opened, that there will be a massive national repentance and a turning to you in your land. We pray that for our land here in the United States, that your word would permeate the hearts and minds of each and every person, and they would be convicted in their hearts and turn to you understanding that their salvation and no other but the name Yeshua is their salvation. Thank you, Lord, in Yeshua's name.